Psalm 119. Psalm 119 in your Bibles this evening. We just sang two precious, precious and old uh, gospel songs, gospel hymns. Uh, Before the throne of God above and wonderful peace. Beautiful songs, powerful lyrics uh, to those songs, the words that we just sang. Before the throne of God, the first of those last two songs was written in 1863 by a pastor's wife in Brookborough, Northern Ireland. Her name was Charity Lees Smith, and, and she wrote the lyrics of that song at, at a time of, of um, just a, a deep appreciation for Christ and a deep awareness of how one day she would be able to be at his throne, to be before his throne. And the lyrics of that song are so, so powerful. Um, We sang a couple of the verses uh, this evening, but it starts off, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. The lyrics of the song that she wrote is a plea to God, She calls God a great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. My name is driven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. She knew that she belonged to God. She knew that that her name was graven on the hands of Jesus Christ, the the. Result of the crucifixion. And she knew that her name was written on the heart of Jesus Christ. And she stood before Jesus Christ in her mind's eye. She stood before Jesus Christ as a great high priest whose name is love. And she stood before the throne of God with a strong and perfect plea. She said, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within... Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. This is just a young girl. Just a young girl writing down from the inner peace of her heart, what Jesus Christ means to her, and her imagination of when she will stand before Jesus Christ, before His throne. Another verse said, Behold Him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I Am, the King of glory and of grace, one with Himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Beautiful song, beautiful lyrics that reflect an inner peace in her heart, an inner peace that sustained her in life. And as she wrote those lyrics, it's obvious She had a very powerful, deep, impressive relationship with Jesus Christ that created an inner peace in her heart 
that flows out of the lyrics. The second of those last two songs we sang was a song entitled Wonderful Peace. It was written in 1889 by a couple of pastors, a Reverend Warren Cornell and a Reverend William Cooper in, uh, in 1889. They were both pastoring in Wisconsin. And at that time, churches in Wisconsin would often gather together, multiple churches would gather together for camp meetings. And one of those two pastors at the church that he pastored had invited other churches to come and meet with them for a Wednesday through a Sunday night. And so Wednesday night, maybe even during the day Wednesday, I don't know, Thursday during the day and Thursday night, Friday during the day and Friday night, Saturday during the day and Saturday night, Sunday morning, they had, they had this camp meeting in which all the church members of various churches met together for elongated services. There was singing. There was testimonies of God's graciousness in their lives. There was preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And uh, the um, historians say that the camp meetings were an opportunity for churches to come together for singing and fellowship, but primarily preaching the way of salvation. And the mourner's bench was prominently at the front. They were evangelistic campaigns, as well as Christian people singing and fellowship and eating and testifying and preaching. But there was also a lot of evangelistic activity, evangelistic preaching, and souls getting saved there in the, in the camp meetings. This particular camp meeting uh, was being held at the farm of Francis Gansel, a Prussian immigrant to America. Uh, in um, West Bend, Wisconsin, and the the visiting the preacher that was invited to come as a visiting preacher that did a lot of the preaching was Warren Cornell. And after Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning, he went out for a long walk on Sunday afternoon. He was walking along the river bank of the river that ran through that area. You know, a lot, of, a lot of songs come out of tragedy. We, we sing a lot of songs that came out of difficult situations that people experienced. But this one was the opposite. This preacher was just over the top with joy. Uh, all that God had done, the singing, the fellowship, the preaching, the testimonies, the souls that had gotten saved, he was just bubbling with joy and excitement over all the things that God had done that day. So he went out on Sunday afternoon and he took a long walk along the Milwaukee River. And, uh, and joy just flooding his heart. And he reached into his pocket and, and he pulled out a flyer. And it, had, it was blank on the back. And he began to write. And the words just flowed out of his inner peace. Out of that wonderful peace that filled his soul after several days of intense fellowship and preaching and singing and testimonies. And he began to write down the words. He folded the paper up and put it in his pocket and went back for the Sunday evening service. And after the service was over and the pastor of the church who had hosted it, one of the members of that church had opened their farm up for the, for the location for all of the activities... That pastor uh, was cleaning up, and he saw a piece of paper on the floor, and he went over and he picked up the piece of paper off the floor, and he turned it over, and there was some words on it, and he read the words. And, and they were so rich and meaningful to him, he went over and sat down at an organ. And he was musically inclined, and, and he began 
to compose the tune to which we have sung the words of that preacher. And as the, the tune came onto, onto in, from his heart onto paper, uh, some additional words came to his heart. Words that the, the, the pastor Warren Cornell, who had written the other verses, some words that he had not written down, and it became the last verse of the song. We didn't sing it just a moment ago, but the last words go like this. And it's evangelistic. Now, mind you, they have just gone through an evangelistic multi-day. And, uh, and he wrote these words. Ah, soul, are you here without comfort and rest, marching down the rough pathway of time? Make Jesus your friend, ere the shadows grow dark. Oh, accept this sweet peace so sublime. Peace, peace, Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep o'er my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. You know, the song that the pastor wrote while he was along the river and that this other pastor uh, added to, the, the, the words of that song are words about an inner peace in our hearts. It's interesting, the two songs, Pastor Ryan had planned the service this evening. Those are the two songs that he picked for the uh, second music package. And the first of those songs, Before the Throne of God Above, is a deep meditation on what Jesus means to me as the Redeemer who saved me from my sin. The second song that we sung, Wonderful Peace, reflects the resulting peace that Jesus brings to our hearts having been saved. These two songs both revolve around an inner peace in our hearts, a deep peace, a peace in our soul that flows out of our hearts into our lives. Do you find yourself with that deep, abiding peace? And is that peace more powerful than the harsh realities that you contend with in life around you. Peace, peace, wonderful peace flowing down from the Father above. Does that deep peace in our hearts well up within us and give calm to our spirit? Peace is not the result of what is around you, it's the result of what is inside you. And the thing about peace, as, this, um, as that second song, Wonderful Peace, speaks of, peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above, it comes down from the Father above and it floods and fills our hearts. What a treasure I have in this wonderful peace, buried deep in the heart of my soul, so secure that no power can mine it away while the years of eternity roll. Nothing can mine out that peace. It is so powerfully a part of my life, of who I am as a person, that nothing or nobody can mine away from my heart that deep inner peace that comes because of my relationship with Jesus Christ.
You know that piece is a is a uh, a piece that you can't really hide. It, it it comes out your eyeballs. It it comes off the the reflection of your face. This deep inner peace I'm talking about that these two people wrote songs about is a deep inner peace in your heart that flows out of your life regardless of the circumstances. So I asked the question, as I was thinking about these two songs, reading the words and meditating on these beautiful hymns, where does this inner peace come from? And what has the tendency of robbing me of that peace? What could take that peace away from me? I know where it comes from. The, the, both of the songs talk about where it comes from, how it comes from God. and It's a, a far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rolls a melody sweeter than song. In celestial-like strains, it unceasingly falls over my soul like an infinite calm. This peace is in the depths of my spirit. It comes down into my soul from the Father above. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. I know where the peace comes from. It comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And the closer my relationship with Jesus Christ, the more powerful that inner calm is in my life, regardless of what happens around me. But what can rob me of that peace? What can have a tendency of taking that peace away? Before the throne of God above declares that that inner peace comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And wonderful peace speaks about how that inner peace comes from my walk with God. Both are revealed through the Word of God to my soul. And as I reflect on the Word of God and reflect on the person of Christ that it tells me about, those that inner peace is powerful. But what can rob me of that peace? And I begin to think of three different passages of Scripture, each of which deals with the peace of God, and each of which in its context deals with something that can take that peace away. I want to show them to you. Psalm 119, verse 161 to 165 is the first of the ones that, came, that came, comes to my mind. Verse number 165, the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great verse. You've memorized it, haven't you? Uh, You've even quoted it to yourself when you're really ticked off at somebody. Great peace of they that love thy law, and nothing can offend me. You can't get my goat. You can't offend me. Because the peace of God in my heart is so powerful and deep that nothing can offend me. Well, this is in a context. In the context, verse number 161 says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause. Verse number 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying. These princes that have persecuted me without a cause have been lying about me. You see, his statement of great peace is in the context of people. I would say that the first thing that can rob me of my peace is people. Can people rob you of your peace? Can people get your goat and rob you of your peace? The psalmist had 
princes, people in authority who were persecuting him without a cause, who were lying about him. And yet that did not strip him of that inner peace in his heart. Why? Well, you read verses 161 to 165. It was because of how much the Word of God was saturating his life, how much time he spent in it, how much it bolstered his walk with God. He said in verse number 161, But my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Verse number 162, I rejoice at thy word, find as one that findeth great spoil. 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. And then he said, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments, because of what he reads in the word of God. Seven times a day, that's a bunch of times. He would stop seven times a day. That's when you get up in the morning. That's when you eat breakfast. That's at your coffee break. That's when you eat lunch. That's on your way home from work. Uh, that's uh, when you eat dinner. That's before you go to bed. I mean, that's you know, seven times in a day. The psalmist said, I stop and I praise you because of what I've learned in your word, your righteous judgments. I learned that the thing that enabled the psalmist to not Lose the inner peace of his heart when people were a, uh, a possibility for robbing him of inner peace. It was the power of the Word of God in his life that enabled him to have inner peace in spite of the people around him and what they did to him as they lied about him. And as they treated him wrongly. Turn back to Psalm 42. Psalm 42 has got to be one of my favorite places uh, to preach and to teach. I love, I, I preached um, a, a message, Laughter Through Tears, many years ago here at CBC from Psalm 43. I, I preached on August 21st, 2016, a message entitled, Surviving the Daily Grind. From Psalm 42 and 43. I love these two psalms. And, uh, and these two psalms speak of the reality of a lack of peace in the psalmist's life. Look at Psalm 42 verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Look at verse number 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? And look at Psalm 43 verse number 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Now, the reality was, in this stage in the psalmist's life, he had lost that inner peace. He had lost that inner peace. And he was struggling. And he was asking himself, what's the matter with you? Why are you depressed? Why have you lost that inner peace in your heart? What has caused you to be in this state of mind and spirit, cast down, disquieted? What is going on with me? He has lost his peace. And you know why he lost his peace? Because of people. Verse, uh, Psalm 42, verse number 3. My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Verse number 9 of the same psalm. Verse number 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me. 
while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? You see, the psalmist has lost his inner peace because of people. And I, I read in Psalm 43, Judge me, O God, verse number one, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation, or deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? These two psalms are sometimes... Some believe they were originally one psalm. They're certainly very similar and almost like two uh, verses of the same old hymn. And both of them are about depression. Both of them are about the loss of that inner peace in your heart that flows from your relationship with God. And the psalmist has lost it. And he lost it because of the way he'd been treated by people. If in Psalm 119, 161 to 165, if the context is that the number one potential for losing your inner peace is people, then Psalm 42 and 43 says, well, here it happened. Because of people, the way they treated me and what they did to me, I'm depressed. And I've lost my sense of inner peace. You can see it on my face. I look troubled. You can see it in my eyes. You know, you can, t- you can typically tell someone who's troubled when you look deep in their eyes. It's hard to hide your heart and keep it from flowing out of your face and out of your eyes. And the psalmist knows that people have robbed him of that inner peace. Now, what is his hope? Is he ever going to be able to reclaim it? Is he ever going to get this... This inner peace back again. What's his hope? Was his, his hope is a closeness with God. He said over and over again, verse chapter 42, verse number 5, Why art thou disquieted, O my soul? Why art thou, uh, or why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. In verse number 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Psalm 43, verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. The answer is always the same. You can get your inner peace back when you get your eyes off from the way people treat you and you get your eyes fixed on what Jesus Christ promises you. And when you can focus on God and your relationship with God can become more powerful than the treatment you endure from other people, you can have your inner peace back in spite of the way people treat. See you. I see the answer in chapter in Psalm 42, verse 11, at the end of the verse. He says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the... Notice the phrase. You see what it is? He is the what? Let's all read it together out loud. He is the health of my countenance. He is the health of my countenance. Look at verse number 5 of the 43rd Psalm. Again, he says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. You know what that means. The word health speaks of something that has been saved, restored, uh, been made whole again. Health. Been brought back to health. Countenance means your face. You could say, he says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the salvation of my face. When anyone can look at you and say, that person's got some problems in his life. That person is depressed. 
When you look in, when someone can look in your eyes and say, this person's got some struggles going on. Your face needs to be saved. The look in your eyes and the countenance of your face is revealing that you have lost the inner peace in your heart. You need God to save your face. And that's what he's talking about. He's the health of my countenance. He can restore the joy to my soul that will flow out of my face and out of my eyes. If I'll hope in God, God can become the Savior of my face. And I can show that amazing inner peace that exists in my heart. Inner peace. Now, how is God going to save my face? How is God, how is my hope in God going to change my face so that I reflect a deep inner peace in my heart? Well, the secret to that is in Psalm 43 in verse number 4. Verse number 4 says, Then will I go unto the altar of God unto God my exceeding joy. Does anybody have a study Bible? Do you have anything about that phrase, God, my exceeding joy? My exceeding joy. Anybody got a study note on that phrase, God, my exceeding joy? Anybody? The old Oxford study notes for that verse speaks of it as the gladness of my joy. You know what this phrase is, God, my exceeding joy, it's El Simketh Gili. It's a Hebrew name for God. This is where we get the name for God that circulates up on your prayer sheets um, about once every three months or so. It's the name for God, El Simketh Gili, which means God is my joy. El Simketh Gili... El being God, Simketh, uh, speaking about joy. But the phrase Gili at the end, G-I-L-I, means in this season that I'm going through. Not in some other season. Not God is my joy after this problem goes away. Not God is my joy in a couple of months when this fixes itself. God is my joy right now in this season that I'm going through. Why am I depressed? God is the source of my joy in this season of life that I'm going through right now. That's the name, El Simketh Gili. God is my joy right now. And you see, in this, these two psalms, we see a place where not that people shouldn't rob me of my inner peace, but people did rob me of my inner peace. I'm but dust. God knoweth our frame that we're but dust. We're not always on our A game. People shouldn't be more powerful than God in my life. People shouldn't have the ability to rob me of my inner peace. Enjoy in my life. I ought to, you ought to see in my face and in my eyes that God is so real to me. I'm filled with joy in spite of what people do to me. But that's not always reality, is it? Sometimes they get our goat. And sometimes, like in Psalm 42 and 43, 
we do lose our inner peace because of how people treat us. And when they do that, we ought to have a, a little time with ourselves and say, look in the mirror and say, what is the matter with you? God saved you from sin. You're on your way to heaven. There's nothing that can take away from you the promises and blessings of God. Why are you depressed? Hope thou in God. And He can save my face. And once again, my face can reflect the inner joy and peace of my relationship with God. So people shouldn't be able to rob me of my inner peace. Psalm 119, 161 and 165. But sometimes people have robbed me of my peace. But I have the ability to see that peace resurrected and my face saved. Let me show you one last one. It's in the New Testament, Philippians chapter number 4. Look at Philippians chapter 4. One of the great verses in the Bible on the inner peace of God in our hearts. This is another one I know you've memorized. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7. Great promise of this inner peace. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Boy, there's a lot of doctrine in that promise. It's not the peace with God. Peace with God was won on the cross of Calvary. This is the peace of God that fills my life because I'm at peace with God. And now the peace of God saturates my inner being. I have this inner peace of God in me. This peace of God. It doesn't make any sense to the unsaved world. They can't understand how a person going through what I'm going through has a smile on my face. It passes the understanding of an unsaved world. But it's the peace of God... And it keeps my heart and my mind, both my emotions and my thought life, are guarded. The word keep is the military term for a century on duty. Keeping the campsite safe so the other soldiers can go to sleep and get the rest they need. And so the century is on duty, guarding the safety of the camp. And that's the word used here. The peace of God is keeping watch over the way I think and the way I feel. So that this deep inner peace, where does this deep inner peace come from? It comes through Christ Jesus. So it's the peace of God that's real in my life because of my relationship with Jesus Christ that enables me to think the way I think and feel the way I feel. And it just doesn't make any sense to an unsaved world that doesn't know this inner peace with Jesus Christ. But it's real to me. It's real to me. It's an inner peace that calms my soul in spite of what's going on around me and enables my face and my eyes to reflect and to, to glow with this inner peace that's real to me because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice the context. The context is people. You see chapter 4, verse 2 and 3 is talking about two women, Eodius and Syntyche, that are causing a church split. And, and he says... He says they need to start thinking alike. They need to be of the same mind. They need, to get, they need to overcome their squabble and get unity back in the church. So I entreat thee 
also true yoke fellow, the other members of the church, who can get in the yoke with these two women and help work out this problem. I entreat the also true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. I mean, these were, these were solid church members who went out on soul winning with Paul when he started the church at Philippi. They labored with him in the gospel. Uh, and Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. I mean, these were great church members, but they're fighting. And so we got people problems. People problems robbing the church of its unity and inner peace. And so in the context of people problems, Paul wrote and said in verse number four, you need to rejoice. In verse number five, you need to be gentle. That's what the word moderation means. Gentle and reasonable. And you need to stop worrying in verse number six so that the peace of God can can be the umpire in your heart, ruling over you in your heart, keeping guard duty in your heart. That peace with God. You can go all the way back to chapter 2, verses 2 to 3, verse 14, chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Throughout the book of Philippians, there is the reference to potential people problems. The context is that people are the primary suspect of who will rob us of our inner peace. And yet, the instruction is given to them. You need to not let that happen. You need to enjoy the peace of God in your heart. That is so powerful. Do you have peace with God tonight? Do you have a deep inner peace? Just a sense of God's presence in your life? Just a a deep awareness of God and His reality to you? That is so powerful and so deep and so meaningful that even people treating you wrong, they can't rob you of that inner peace. That's priceless in our lives.